Welcome back for another episode of the Big O Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the world leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Head over to manscaped.com and use the code THEBIGO20 at checkout to get 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. It's as simple as that. Today, I am joined by a man who every time we seem to talk, it looks like he's going to be on season three of Ted Lasso, the super agent, maybe another European transfer. But Danny Rojas, be careful because he's coming for your job. Uh, Brendan Dunlop. Brendan, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. That's a great intro. But uh, I know for a fact that the actor that plays Danny Rojas is a great footballer, uh, which I am not. So I might be able to, you know, share the set with him, share the screen for a minute. But when it comes to the pitch, is to, to you know to play a like for like, I would I would fail immediately. So agent is probably the best the best bet. Now it's funny you say that because you know someone who loves sports and played sports and loves sports movies. One of the things I'm always so critical of is. What do the sports look like when they're doing it on screen? Not mm. just the behind the scenes stuff, but what does it look like when the actors are actively involved in a sports scene? And you don't get a lot of that with Ted Lasso. However, depending on how far you've caught up, the second last episode that has aired right now, or, C- or episode 10 that has aired right now, we finally get some soccer when Man City plays AFC Richmond. And I'll be honest, the soccer doesn't look that great. And it might be like the only flaw on what is utterly a flawless television show in Ted Lasso. When you watch movies, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, what is what is the thing that you're looking for when it comes to like authenticity of on the field magic? Yeah, I think we're spoiled by guys like Keanu Reeves who do their own stunts and look like the kung fu level of all the guys he's killing in John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> so we think that that should be the deal with like Phil Dunster. Like you should be able to hit that screamer from, you know, 30 yards outside uh, away from the net. And uh, I've seen a couple clips like on on YouTube. There was actually one the goal that they used in season 1. No, nah, he was playing for Richmond. So it must have been season 2, but it was one of the earlier episodes. I've actually uh, stopped at the beard episode, so I haven't oh, seen. Oh, great episode! You didn't give nothing away though, so you were a top man. You didn't give it away for your audience, didn't give it away for me. Uh, good on you, brother, because you didn't know where I was at. So I very much appreciate that. I, I had a moment. Where I was like, Do I tell Julian? Like, no, it's his show, man. It's it's his show, and like, I'll just watch it later. It's my fault. I should have been. I should have been caught up. But Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie Tart, he hit a cracker. It's on Instagram. So someone in the crew in the stands, and and uh, they were using the training pitch to film. But if they, you know, super uh, superimposed um, what is actually Selhurst Park that they use for a lot of the filming yep. to recreate the the racetrack where where Richmond play, and he does hit that shot the way it appears in the show. So uh, whether that was the plan to begin with or not, or they, you know, they ran it ten times, it's uh, that was definitely the shot that we saw in the show. So those boys can play, man. Uh, I, I hear that uh, that yeah, the actor that plays Danny Rojas and uh, and Phil Dunster who plays Jamie Tart, they can play. Now, you brought up Keanu Reeves, and you yeah. talked about being spoiled with him and John Wick. But when he actually played Shane Falco in the movie The Replacements, uh. he actually was getting offers for tryouts to go and play. And I can't remember if it was the Baltimore Ravens, but there was a, there was an NFL team that was, was willing it to NFL? give yeah that was willing wow. to give him a shot because the the way that he looked and the way that he was actually you know making the passes during the game. It was intriguing enough to say, hey, Amazing. 
this guy maybe has a little bit of magic, but uh, it's I love Ted Lasso. It is a show that obviously people talked about. I stumbled upon it early and was like, Jason Sudeikis is Apple TV. Why not? Let's give yeah. it a try. And it is one of the greatest shows. Obviously, just took home seven Emmy Awards, including the one that I think is more important than Jason Sudeikis's, and that is Roy Kent winning <laughs> as I think it was the best supporting actor in a in a comedic series. Yeah. Uh, Brett Goldstein, hilarious. He is just as funny off air as he is on camera because his interview after, uh, because they basically bleeped out everything that he said when he accepted his <laughs> award. Uh, he he thought it was actually quite funny. And so what is your favorite part of Ted Lasso thus far through two seasons? Man, there's so there's so much that I love about it. And honestly, it's incredible. And it's great to see how much, you know, the non-soccer viewing public has really taken to it. And I think has opened in, in an unbelievable way, has opened the eyes of a lot of people to the game or new eyes, I should say. And uh, who would have predicted that based off of the seven minute commercial or based off the trailer for that yep. first season? You know, uh, I watched the, the first episode thinking like, of course, I'm going to love this. This is obviously for me. And then the second episode is like, oh, this is deep. And the third episode, I'm like, I want to be a better person every time I <laughs> right? watch this show. Like th this has got and realizing, you know, it, it captivated and crossed lines. People that would never watch soccer, people who always, you know, make fun of me for loving soccer as much as I do. Always uh, question how I could wake up at 730 and all they do is whinge and whine and complain about the diving and the and the, the you know, fake calls and that. And how, how uh, yeah, how, how lame and, uh, you know, un- Canadian uh, some soccer players can be that their lack of toughness I should say that the people are always criticizing they absolutely love Ted Lasso and now they're like you know what yeah I, I watched that CPL game that was on CBC in, in the playoffs uh, last season in the bubble and you know what yeah I'm gonna go to a game at Forge I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna watch York I'm, I'm now I'm paying attention to TFC I watch the Euros because I love Ted Lasso that's that's pretty incredible man and uh, Men in Blazers I think it was Roger Bennett that, that tweeted at Men in Blazers after they won the Emmy said that Jason Sudeikis has probably done more for the game in America than any American man. And he wasn't trying to be disrespectful to the American soccer program, but really it's reached a level that no star, no Landon Donovan, no Alexi Lawless, you know, no, no programming executive who, who bought all these rights for, for games and, and, and improve the access. No one has had as much of a transcending transgenerational cross-generational impact that that show has seemed to have had in a very short period. So I wish them all the success in the world, man. I love how authentic it is that they, they really made a point to have, you know, a, a real British um, influence and interest in plotting everything to do with the show. You know, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, as you mentioned, is, is one of the uh, executive producers or, or, or producers, yep. I think, writers. And, uh, you know, massive football fan, as is Phil Dunster. And, and they they kind of all say that they have a part in it and they – they really did make a point. Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt, Brendan Hunt, co-creator there, plays Beard, was, uh, you know, they really made a point to make it as authentic as possible. They didn't want anyone who was uh, English or a Premier League traditionalist to look at this and say, ah, American show, what do they know? They wanted to make it as, as real as possible. So I, I really love so much of what they did with it and how far it's reached. I love Jason Sudeikis. Anytime Bill Lawrence and Zach Braff get together and reunite from Scrubs, I'm all in. Zach directs episodes. Bill Lawrence, obviously, just a talent. Um, and so I love Ted Lasso. And I also want to talk a little bit about the fact that AFC Richmond fans are starting to join the Chelsea fans of the English <laughs> Premier League. And I say this with a very heavy heart because we know what it's like to lose 
to Manchester City. And not just lose, <laughs> but like get dominated to a point where it's like you're looking for the final whistle to go because it's ugly. And this is kind of like a you know funny joke running back you and me because when we spoke you know, a few months ago, we were talking Champions League final. Yeah, and you basically told Chelsea fans they got no shot. They basically were going to have the performance that they had this past weekend against City. And I yeah. was like, I don't know. There's something magical about Chelsea that needs to win this in order to make the Champions League. Sure enough, they get that done. And then this past weekend, it was ugly from start to finish. I'm surprised it wasn't 17 nothing at that point. Sorry, <laughs> 17 nil at oh, that man. point because it was it was pretty bad. So, what are your thoughts on the Man City that we saw bouncing back after not the greatest start to their season? You look at Chelsea and you say, you know, that it was so bad and you you feel as though it was a lot worse than it actually was because the expectation has been raised. Is your European champions and your, you know, five games into the Premier League season, Premier League title contenders and I don't think that you expected to be that even with the addition of Romelu Lukaku you know I definitely underrated Chelsea um, we did a preview show on the zone and Danny Dicchio said that I was crazy to think that you know just give City the title and, and I thought he was crazy to think that Lukaku was going to make that much of a difference that Chelsea would be in the mix there completely forgetting Liverpool you know at, at the time when we did the preview Ronaldo hadn't gone to, to United yet um, you know, as as we're recording this, um, uh, Brighton had a uh, had a match that they uh, they stole a point at at um, Richmond's uh, lookalike there, Crystal Palace, and had Brighton won that match, they would have gone top of the table. You know, like four, four points separating first from eighth six weeks into the season. I know it's it's not a lot early but days, but see that in the Premier League, right? It is it is early days, so it's it's super exciting, man. I think that this Man City team, you know, is always evolving. That they changed too many big pieces to not always be evolving, but also that's Pep Guardiola, right? He's not a stagnant manager whatsoever. And even with the same lot, he would he mixes and matches and rotates and changes things, adapts during the season. So not surprised at all that we're seeing that already. Uh, maybe a bit surprised to see uh, Foden and Grealish so early play together. But then again, I think that that should have been the case for Gareth Southgate in England. So as an Aston Villa supporter, I think I've been quite open about that on your show in the past. Um, hard to see... Jack Grealish, you know, in sky blue instead of Clareton blue, but fully deserving of the opportunity to play at that level to contend for titles and play in the Champions League. So I'm happy for him. You know, he he was a great servant for Aston Villa, loves the club, and maybe he'll pull an Ashley Young in his uh, in his mid 30s and come back and you know have one last uh, wave in Clareton blue. But for the time being, the Sky Blues are in good hands with him there, and I think that uh, City are very much in the title race. But I think you're being too harsh on Chelsea there, man. I, I don't think that that match was as reflective of where they are as it was just on the day, not their day. Yeah, I think they were just simply outclassed from from the beginning to the end of it. Yeah, like I said, they, they were lucky that it was it was one nil, and they're still you know in the top five. And I think that they're a team that as long as they don't have to play Man City each and every week, is going to be in that race towards the end. Maybe they defend their Champions League title. They just had a great uh, English Cup uh, tilt with your Aston Villa midweek. That they did. Which uh, went down to penalties. So, I mean, maybe Chelsea was a, was a little bit tired from all that extra soccer that they had to play. <laughs> but I certainly think Chelsea, Liverpool, City, and then United. United is this enigma. Yeah, because because <laughs> we we started this uh, you know off season this transfer window with the biggest thing happening and that was Messi going over to PSG and in the typical 
you know, Ronaldo Messi rivalry. Ronaldo said, that's cute. Now hold my beer and watch what I do. <laughs> and the rumors are he's going to Man City. And then at the last second, all of a sudden, we reunite with United with, you know, obviously uh, Sir Alice Ferguson apparently had a large part to play in his return back to the EPL. Rio and definitely he, threatened him too. Rio's like, hey, oh, 100%. All those, remember all those lights, those nights at, up at Leeds that we don't talk about that the, <laughs> the, the, the papers almost ran with? I'm going to let those pay, the papers run with those stories if you, if you go to City, bro. I think that's what happened. And I think it was a ploy. I think, you know, the, the move was always united and City got totally. used a little bit. And I think they understood, like, listen, it's all part of the game at the end of the day. But what a, what a different, you know, story. When you look at Messi at PSG right now and you look at Ronaldo at United, everyone thought Messi would have that start at PSG. And he hasn't had the greatest start. A couple of assists, a lot more cards than he has, you know, put goals in the back of the net. And then you have Ronaldo, world beater, just continuing to show that despite at age 35, he is still arguably the best or in the top three of best footballers in the world. Does Ronaldo take home another Ballon d'Or at the end of this year? Uh, I mean, there's a there's a couple guys you know that play for Chelsea that you could put in that conversation. I, I truly think that Jorginho deserves the Ballon d'Or, but in terms of conversation of you know who are the top three players in the world, Messi and Ronaldo are still one too, and there'll be a lot of people that are incapable of picking one over the other. Um, there's there's been moments you know in their careers where I've ad- admitted that it, it isn't Ronaldo, but when the conversation is who who would you rather have who is the better player overall i always say ronaldo because i think of his you know dynamism his uh, ability to do it in different places to do it in different leagues to always you know do it in big games and and to do it for as long as he's been able to you know uh, i i feel like i've made the comparison quite a few times on the dzone soccer show and on footy prime where we just we don't see this in sports and now we're seeing this with ronaldo lebron and tom brady all at the same time yeah. They have, they are the elite of the elite, and have been able to be elite, remain elite into their late thirties, in Brady's case, into his forties, and it is unthinkable. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that feel cheated a little bit by Messi wanting to wanting to see Messi, if he you know forced out the door, go and challenge yourself. They they want to see the best. It's you know he he picked the easy choice. PSG didn't pick Messi; he picked them, but he right. could have picked somebody else. Ronaldo chose the most difficult league in the world. And yes, did he come back to a situation that he knows? Did he come back to a place where he knows, you know, regardless of the decline that has to come with everyone, right? That he, it wouldn't nearly be as hard or as harsh a reaction in a Manchester United red shirt? Sure. But he, he still has, has come in, as you say, you know, like a, like a house on fire with so much to prove and has immediately elevated the team and everybody around him to the point where I've said, if he only plays two seasons, He's made United better for four seasons, at least four seasons. 100%. Because of all of the players who are skipping dessert, who are showing up early, who are working out when it's their off day because of him. And the ability to just talk to him, pick his brain, train with him, see him, watch him, even if even if they are you know players who, who barely get a word in. He, just his impact on that team um, is going to be so massive, long, long beyond the the two years I think that he plays he could play four years though the way the way that he's going the way that he takes care of his body um but but I do think that you know they're going to run into some situational issues and arguably they're already in that where you know they're allowing Bruno to kick, kick, kick the penalties and I think that you know Bruno Fernandez's record 
was deserving of keeping that position for sure. But you got to think that there's pressure on his shoulders that he's putting on himself, much like he does when he pulls on the Portuguese national team shirt, to you know not play at the level that he's played at at Manchester United that has made him uh, very quickly a, a world-class player and a, and a beloved fan favorite at Old Trafford. So, And Mason Greenwood, too. I think Mason Greenwood feels as though he has to prove that he can play at this level and he can be the player that you know Ronaldo uh, can also be or, or, or take that next step in, in his own career and not lose out on minutes that people expect because Ronaldo was there, but to share the pitch with him. I think he's a little aggressive. Um, you saw some shots in, in their last... In the last match out in that in that loss to Villa, some decisions where he's you know very uh, Ronaldo in a sense of perhaps being a bit selfish or head down, not seeing the other opportunities, but trusting himself. And it's great to have you know players with that confidence, and especially young players. Look look at all these world beating young players we're celebrating. Erling Holland uh, you know, being one of uh, one of a few. But I think that you know Mason Green was going to get to a, a situation where he has to just relax, not think as much, and, and allow things to play around him. And that's very difficult, not just for young players, but as a squad. So United definitely are going to struggle with that. It's not going to be smooth sailing for them. But also, you know, one loss against Aston Villa is not going to derail their season. I don't think they're going to be title contenders come April and May, uh, but they will be well into Christmas. And that's a very good situation for them. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they end up being Champions League semifinalists, which is also an, an incredible situation for Manchester United to be in, given where they were last season, given where, you know, we were as a, as a football community and as a soccer culture watching fans break into old trafford and protest uh, the glazers and and you know condemn the way football was going and and the soccer uh, the way the soccer world was going to see united in a position now where they have one of the most beloved players in the world back in that red shirt and you know i do think that you said he was it was always going to be united i think for him i think the desire was it was always going to be united but i really don't think that they were that interested I think they thought from the past, like, well, we're just going to get taken. Like, you know, the, he's using us as leverage. And so they weren't really that interested, even though it was quite clear, like, he wanted out. So it was, hey, the season started. Like, I got to get out of here. I'm not staying in Torino. And I'm not, I don't want to go somewhere else. But what do we do to get their attention? Attention, And that forced their hand. And the Glazers had to do something to win back the fans that I just talked about. And they did it immediately. Everybody yeah. forgot about it. Just like UEFA forgot that uh, that Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus are still on the Super League thing, and you know, are trying to bring down the game. But no, it's it's cool. Like, you don't need any no punishment for trying to start Super League and still hanging on to this. No, nah, it's okay. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two with our sponsors for today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. By using the code TheBigO20 at manscaped.com to get 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your perfect package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure your boys downstairs stay smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Chair Trimmer. Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, a Performance Boxer Brief, and the Shed Travel Bag. Now, the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin safe technology. 
The lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multi-function on-off switch, which can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn that 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Rain, snow, or sleet, they're no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. There's no 15-yard penalty for this clipping. Now this package also comes with the Weed Whacker. This elite nose, hair, and ear trimmer is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This trimmer also has propriety skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in your delicate holes. After trimming your footballs, show the balls some more love with Manscaped's liquid formulations. The Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your ball games to the next level. Now we have an exclusive offer for the Big O's audience. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code thebigo 20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped has also thrown in two gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxer Briefs and the Shed Travel Bag. So make sure that you head over to manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code thebigo 20 That's 20% off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com and use the code thebigo 20 Link is down below. Treat yourself and stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you brought up a lot of great points. Uh, team morale, like the the amount of young players they're going to learn from being around Ronaldo and seeing yeah. his work ethic and and just elevating their game because he's there. And then you get the fans at Old Trafford. I want to know what the merchandise sales are of the new kits with Ronaldo's name on the back. Massive. It's, it's going to be insane. And the vibe itself, I've been watching way more EPL on DAZN with my new subscription, which if you guys don't have, they have like a, a free seven day trial or maybe be a month at this point. It is awesome. Football, soccer, champions league. They have all sorts of amazing, amazing content. So if you don't have a subscription with the zone, check it You're out. Missing it's, out. It's the best time to have that. Yeah. So I've been watching way more footy and just the vibe at old Trafford when man use playing is way different with Ronaldo. They seem to really be embracing him, really loving him, and it is great for the game. Yeah. I don't think they have that same feeling over there in PSG. So <laughs> I think he wins yet another thing that Messi tried to do and Ronaldo just did it a little bit better. I mean the the Premier League is the most watched league in the world, you know, and you think about he made his debut in what was a 10 a.m. Eastern kickoff for us uh, three oh, yeah. o'clock Easy. local time. And I don't think a lot of Canadians and, and certainly Americans understand television culture and how that works in England, that those matches that we're watching at 10 a.m. Eastern time, those three o'clocks are not on TV. Ronaldo made his made his debut and nobody could see it unless they were at that ground, you know, against Newcastle. And that's, you know, an incredible part of the fandom and football culture in England specifically, but also now having fans back in the stadiums, you know, I really think that what you're describing, that feeling, that vibe at Old Trafford, that's actually throughout the Premier League right now. And it's a combination yeah. of things. I think they realize that the Premier League is more competitive than it's been in recent years. 
There are some incredible storylines across the board. It's not just the top six. It's not just the big spenders. It's not just because of Ronaldo. But Brentford, what a story. Our DAZN producer went to that game. Brentford-Liverpool got a last-minute ticket. Uh, was fortunate enough to be to be under under a covering, so he wasn't soaked in the rain there. But a three-three thriller, you know, one of the the best games of the of the season so far. Maybe one of the best games of the calendar year of twenty twenty one. You know, Brentford Liverpool. Who saw that coming? You could pick at it. I'm sure Liverpool fans will say, "Ah, our defense let us down," or maybe we're a worse team with Virgil and all these crazy overreactions. But you know, Brentford are, are a team that uh, that show that you can come up from from the championship and kick it and contend. Norwich will never do that, but at least Brentford are a team. So I just love across the board how many exciting storylines there are for the Premier League as a Premier League fan. I think it's funny the synergy on the zone or in this country with the NFL and the Premier League because they really are like for like in a lot of ways. Yeah. From the promotion, from the attention, from the, you know, waiting for one day of the week, essentially. Yeah, there are other games, but Saturday is the most important. Sunday is the most important in the NFL. They own that day of the week. And you look at all the dressing around it, they really are. Very similar and very star-driven and star-studded. So yeah, I, I love how many people are, are on board right now, man. And, and I'm like you. You know, I, I woke up at 7:30 to watch both those games. In the past, I would watch it on demand whenever I woke up. But I had I had them both going. I had the multi-view going for for 90 minutes, and then went back and paid attention to more of the game I hadn't paid attention to in in the breaks before the 10 o'clock. So I've been loving this season, man. You're you're rubbing salt in the wound because not only <sighs> was I so sad that Chelsea lost in the fashion in which they did but brentford cost me <laughs> dollars by oh, no. t- by going for the tie and and getting it and i mean that game from start to finish was electric because brentford crazy. was dominating early they had all of the chances it they could have been up two goals at any point in the game because of just how well that they were getting behind the, the back line of liverpool and then you know liverpool does what it does it, it clamps down and scores and i've placed some money on this game and right before i was like do i hedge my bet and i just say draw no bet so it just it would avoid it if they drew i'm like yeah. no there's no way liverpool is gonna have happen what arsenal had happened to them in their opening game liverpool's right. gonna find a way to win and when i see mo salas score that goal and they go up three two and i'm like all right we're good and then in like the 86th minute it was Brentford like- ties it and i'm like <laughs> Oh man, I am not telling my wife about what just happened, but uh, it was it w- it was a tough one. It was a tough one, but like you said, you know, we're starting to see all of these teams that are not like the Arsenal's and the Liverpool's and the Tottenham's and the Chelsea's and the Man U's that are really shining right now. I mean, Leeds yeah. Leeds has been they put up some great matches so far. They're a little inconsistent, but they really gave it to to Liverpool to start their match too before Liverpool ultimately took over. So yep. the EPL is fire. Footy is fire. And this week we're blessed with Champions League, which again, fire. I don't think I think we're in the golden age of soccer as mm-hmm. far as increasing fandom for young watchers. Because mm-hmm. in Canada, you have Christine St. Clair who had to remind the world that when Ronaldo scored his male leading international goal, yeah, Canada yeah. had to put the world on notice and say, pump your brakes, everybody. That's we did. men. We had to do it for Sinclair. Yeah, we had right. to do it for Sinclair because she 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 earned that. Ain't nobody taking that away. 
No, and and again, it's it's the most Canadian thing where like the athlete isn't gonna come out and say anything, but <laughs> the whole nation. Well, I was I on Twitter. That. I was on Twitter the moment it happened. I was waiting. I was like, "There's gonna be someone who says the wrong thing." And when it came out, I was like, "No, you're wrong. Sorry, incorrect." And I'm just getting on the <laughs> the Twitter keyboard there. And you know, between women's soccer, between men's soccer, between what we're seeing now, this really is the golden age uh, of soccer as far as. Th- we're finally seeing the evolution of all those grassroots programs with, mm-hmm. you know, in the year 10, in year 15, in year 20. Soccer is prime to continue to take over the world as the global sport. Yeah, absolutely. And in this country, you know, to continue to evolve and, and start to evolve at a pace um, faster than it ever has. And deservedly so. I mean, the, the women are Olympic champions. Um, the men have a great opportunity to qualify for Qatar. They'll be hosting matches in the World Cup and, and should be an automatic uh, participant in 2026. And a lot of people thought, you know, 2026, that's the turning point. That's going to be the USA 94 moment when soccer really takes over in this country. Why wait? Why wait? I think the time is now to have a professional women's league in this country. Does it have to be affiliated with the CPL? Not necessarily. But I think the CPL has been a great example of, you know, how that works how much interest there is internationally. You no, know, Atletico Madrid own a team in the Canadian Premier League. And they're not the only big team in Europe looking to do that. You know, I think that you'll you'll see the expansion going forward and perhaps some you know existing teams develop partnerships like that. Um, that's pretty incredible, you know, uh, to think that that would have been possible five years ago was crazy when they when they birthed the league and thought okay this i think we can we you know if we all get together and put this much in and we can these things this thing happens for us and that thing happens there then you know we could we could probably just do this much then the pandemic happens they they uh, just before the pandemic i guess they, they'd made the agreement with atletico madrid to to put the team in ottawa atletico ottawa returning you know professional soccer to to the nation's capital after losing their team uh to, to uh business deals in, in the United States and in the USL, I, it's it's really amazing how much infrastructure growth there has been. There's still a lot of work to be done. There's, there's a lot of broken things in the system. Don't get me wrong. Um, we, had, we had a conversation on the DAZN soccer show. You can watch it by the time you listen to this. It'll, it'll be up on DAZN where uh, you know we talk about so, some of the infrastructure issues with uh, with Canadian soccer, just in terms of you know being able to get gear in that and uh, and how how long people are able to to stay um, as far as fans go. You know, uh, Stephanie Labe, who was the the gold medal winning goalkeeper for for Canada at the Olympics in Tokyo, tweeted, "Oh, just went on the Canadian Soccer Shop website, you know, to to buy a goalkeeper jersey. Uh, can't do it, but I, but I can buy the men's jersey you know, in a small and put the Canadian you know women's lettering on it, which is isn't the same cut. Um, we got to get to a point where it's accessible. You know, we we can support the program and these athletes, and I think it's it's getting there in Canada in general. It tends to be slow." Um, it has certainly been slow for soccer for a very long, long time, but winning the gold medal, qualifying for Qatar, which is a real possibility, that's going to accelerate that. So the next few years in building to 2026, I, I used to be just really excited for the change that would come at 2026. Now I'm super excited to see where we will be. How much farther ahead will we be in the next four years at 2026 to continue to grow from there on? Yeah, unfortunately, like what you said about, you know, getting a women's jersey is not that surprising. And it's not surprising in, in a very bad way. But, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of progress here in this year's version of either FIFA or NBA 2K. We're starting to see women, women's leagues actually join the EA Sports video game. So they're yeah, now yeah. starting to be a little bit more inclusive when it comes to that. And I think it's a start. I mean, obviously, we should have been there already. But 
we're starting to you know make progress and you know obviously Canada right now the women's team has been carrying that torch for soccer in this country now when you have you know Alfonso Davies and you have the fact that Canada is going to be hosting in 2026 hopefully as a nation we are mm-hmm. ready to say hey we're not just a hockey powerhouse in, in in both men and women's hockey but when it comes to on the pitch we're just as tough as any other country and put us into that tier with the USA's and the Mexico's and the Brazil's and all of them, because I feel like Canada is coming for that level. Hopefully, as you said, before 2026, let's start to put the world on notice right now. Now I want to just quickly shift gears to something because I don't want to miss it. Cause I, every time I read the story, I absolutely love it. Brendan Dunlop from Windsor, Ontario grows up, uh, going to Catholic central high school. Huge sports fan, aspirations to become a sports journalist from the inspiration himself, Ray Romano. <laughs> how how did we get there? How did that inspiration take you over? And if you were going to be any character on a sports television show, present, future, you want something designed for you, what kind of show would you like to be a part of? Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I'll go with the first part. Uh, I'll answer the first part because I definitely know the answer to that. And, and we'll build to some type of like Arliss sports oh. center hybrid. You know, I feel like it would be rather than Arliss being the, the sports agent um, of the athletes, some more integration with the sports media side of it. You know, I, okay. I think, I, I think I would like to stay, stay in my lane of, of, of media anchor, broadcaster and and have it some type of yeah arliss show i think that that's my answer to that question the ray romano one is uh is good uh you, you did your research bro i like it um uh i'll try and sum up the story quick basically in eighth grade which in ontario is, is your last year in elementary school before you go into high school and so they start to ask you for real like not just a, hey what would you like to be when you grow up but what do you think you want to do as a career and my eighth grade teacher, Mrs. Mikic, uh, she was older, uh, probably one of her last years of, of teaching. And, and she was, you know, quite serious with that question. It wasn't, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's what, what would you like as a career? And I said, I'm going to be an actor. And she says, oh, an actor. Great. Are you going to perform theater at Windsor's Capitol Theater? No, I'm going to do movies that play at the Cineplex and Devonshire Mall. <laughs> she's like, okay. And she's like, uh, this is like the first week of school. And she's like, I realize I don't know you, but I feel like you have a lot of other interests than, than acting. So I would like you to finish your one-page assignment and, and not say you want to be an actor. <laughs> Find something else to write the assignment. So of course I leave. Like, what does this old teacher know? Uh, how can she tell me I'm not gonna? I can't be an actor. And I'm watching Everybody Loves Raymond, which was a massive syndicated show at the time, and it hit me. He's a traveling reporter for the Knicks, and I actually am a New York Knicks fan, so it wasn't related to that. But I just thought, wow, what a dream job! You know, he had a, he had a family, he had a house. He had what's what seemed like as a a thirteen year old eighth grader what seemed like a normal life and then a dream job. I could do that, so I bang out eight pages, say that I want to be. I, I forget what I said. It wasn't specific to traveling reporter. There was probably some TV in there, but it was definitely based off of that. So I bang out eight pages, submit this thing, and she comes back and she hands everyone's paper back. She hands mine down, upside down. She says, "This was the best one I got." So I flip it over, thinking, "Oh yeah, B minus, like, B minus." How did I get a B? This is the best one you ever had. How did I get a B minus? She goes, I told you to write one page. You wrote eight. But ah. 
I'm excited to see what you do with all that passion. So, so yeah, that was it, man. I, I knew in eighth grade that, you know, sports media was what I wanted. It was a very different picture then. It was uh, before the internet, before apps and uh, seeing the evolution, you know, just in my time at the score, I started there in 2006 um, when really, you know, sports and the internet, uh, certainly streaming games was kind of non-existent, you know, even, even getting access to the scores, you know, was something you'd, you'd listen to the radio broadcast for because having this, the scores at your fingertips, um, apart from the ticker that ran on the bottom of the score television network, wasn't that as accessible. So it's, it's wild to see where, where the game is now meant to be doing, you know, shows from, from our, our basements and from our homes and, and to be able to do it, uh, syndicated and in, in across the world, talk to uh, some of the incredible people, uh, both, actually playing and also on my side of the game in the media world uh has been pretty awesome pretty surreal now if you got to meet a character from ted lasso i keep going back to the show because i love it so much <laughs> and you had to choose between beard you had to choose between roy kent oh. or you had to choose between trent crim from the independent <laughs> who i look like with my hair down is that why Which, you brought that up yeah i, I i'll yeah. just just you a can little two bit screen the photos if you want to grab That's one it. of my cbc shots from the olympics because yeah i was getting that a lot i was getting that a lot who would you choose so i'm hanging out with the character not the actor the character not the actor I'm the hanging out with the character uh i think you know i feel like i would know trent too well so like okay. trent, trent would be a little boring uh beard in real life, Brendan Hunt and I are named twins. So I think I'd be curious about that. Also that, you know, he, he's American. I'm North American. The conversation would be good. But I think Roy would be hilarious. But I feel as though, you know, Roy's threshold would be very short. Very, very much like like James Sharman. Like James Sharman will tell you he loves me. But does he want to spend two hours with me? Have we ever, like, you know, been away on a weekend holiday? No, he never do that. This is too much time. So I feel like the threshold for Roy with me, the tolerance level would be very short. Uh, what I find very funny about Roy is my wife seems to think that we're the same person, which uh, oh, wow. which I think is kind of hilarious because I, I smile considerably more than Roy Kent does. Um, some of the other actors talk about how Brett Goldstein is, like, the smiliest guy. So it's hilarious that as Roy, he's incapable of, and will not smile and it throws they break all the time because because of him so yeah i think that uh my you know british style of anger is what reminds my wife of of roy kent and, and that comes from a lot of premier league and, and growing up in a, in a household where you know i watched uh saturday morning f1 qualifying sessions instead of saturday morning cartoons so a lot of british influence that, that probably has you know influenced some of my uh my, my personal life and habits and, and attitudes i guess that the wife sees now Toronto is in the midst, the Blue Jays are in the midst of a wild card race with yep. the two big rivals in the division, the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Obviously, being a Detroit fan, you got to see, you know, Miggy hit 500 this year, mm -hmm. huge milestone. But for the Toronto Blue Jays, what are your thoughts on how they end up, you know, finishing the season? If they don't make the playoffs, is it a complete waste of a season? Or no. they're just continuing to build on just how amazing this young core is going to be together. I think their evolution has, you know, been accelerated in the in the pandemic, which is pretty incredible. Uh, you know, to to grab a, a playoff spot, albeit short uh, last season, that you know catapulted them, I think, in, into this season, expecting to do the same under different circumstances. So you know, they they had an expectation on themselves, um, and for most of the season, they've been able to meet that. It's it's been pretty incredible. Obviously, there's been some standouts. Teoscar Hernandez, you know, who, who they acquired in that trade for Francisco Lariano. I remember saying on the desk to Martin, I'm like, this 
trade could be one of the best trades that the Jays have made. And, you know, looking at this season alone, that's a pretty good deal uh, having Teoscar there. And, you know, for any of the criticism that that Vladdy Jr. gets, let's remind ourselves that most people his age, most ball players his age are in double A or in yep. college. And, you know, he's learning this on the fly as a pro. It's incredible what he's done. It's 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 really great for the city and for Blue Jays fans what they've been able to do. I think that this season is a massive success, even uh, when they do come up short and do not make the playoffs. Um, I, th I think that they they have a lot to to build on, and the expectation for next season will be raised, will be higher, and that's you know where you want to be. You don't want to be a, a club like the Detroit Tigers, who you know were hanging on to contend for a long time and then had to to blow it up, you know, one pitcher after another, let them all go. In a, in a string of disappointment and sadness and, and you know now get to a point where you're hoping in the pipeline it, it, it might be there uh, the Jays are definitely a team you know built to to contend and uh, and challenge in a very difficult division I think they'll be able to do it next season and and yeah I think there's you know finding a pitching staff this year was a huge win that the, the Jays probably didn't expect uh to to get this season so that's exciting for them yeah I figured the Blue Jays were in a good spot when I'm watching baseball on another broadcast okay. and the announcers are talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. Right. Like when you're watching a Red Sox game versus whoever, and yeah. they're more focused on, man, did you see the Blue Jays won 13 out of 17? Did you see how good this young core is when they're starting to get the respect across yeah. the league? You know, you're in a good spot. Like we were experiencing 2015 when we had that incredible run and the city was buzzing. And I feel like for Toronto fans, we just be a little bit more patient. Be, yeah. you're, you're one season away and you're one major acquisition or star pitcher breakthrough from being a real force yeah. that no other team is built to sort of to, to be able to defeat because the way the Blue Jays are offensive, they're pitching, their bullpen is always shaky. There's always one cog that's a little bit out of the loop and outside of Jordan Romano, they've had some shaky guys. But again, Tighten that up one year later. The Blue Jays should find themselves in a World Series. Mm -hmm. Here's the prediction. Monday, September 27th, 2021. The Blue Jays will be in the World Series in 2023. Okay. Yeah. I, I, they got a very good chance. I, 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 you're you're certainly, certainly not wrong in, in seeing that this is where that team is building. This is where that expectation is. And, you know, that evolution from what was a great period in 2015 and 2016, you know, with, with a lot of great pieces and, and uh, ambition and a chance of getting there. Um, hopefully they don't run into the Royals or, or some like. Uh, but you're right about, you know, Toronto fans. And it, it's funny, man. I, I have a, a love-hate relationship at times with Toronto sports fans because in this city, man, they really love it when things are good. But there are so many people that are quick to jump off that bandwagon or get distracted or, you know, get entertained by something else and forget and move on. And, uh, and that I find a frustrating and sad part of this city. As someone posted, um, uh, Evie Kwong from the Toronto star actually posted in excitement of the Toronto Raptors season, starting the Raptors being back at home, you know, look at the Lakers, always, always a big draw a team. You want to see, of course, when the Raptors play the, the Lakers, the, uh, the lowest price to get into the Staples center uh, on, one of the after-sale sites was $18 US, and the cheapest ticket at uh, at Scotiabank Arena to see the Raptors uh, host the Lakers was $215. Yep, and uh, that's one thing in this city that that I uh, that I hate uh, because I, I feel as though it's it's just when the team is hot. 
You know, I I was there buying off of those same sites um, tickets in in the first couple of rows in the three hundred level uh, back when it was the ACC for eight dollars with fees. You know, yeah. and uh, to to watch to watch still some very good players on a team that yeah wasn't contending and and didn't have a chance of uh, making the playoffs come February. And people got off of that. So that's one one thing that I, I, I love Toronto. It's an incredible city. I, I really can't see myself living as happy anywhere else. But uh, that's one element, uh, you know, as a diehard sports fan that that I hate and, uh, and off, am oftentimes embarrassed by. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting year for Toronto Raptor fans because this is yeah. the first time where you're starless. Like Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry was your star. And not mm-hmm. to say that, you know, Fred, Gary Trent Jr., you know, Scotty Barnes, that there aren't pieces there that are going to make this Toronto team good or even great. But for the first time in quite some time, there is no star for the Toronto Raptors. And it'll be interesting to see how a return back to Toronto can galvanize this fan base yeah. or if we start to see for the first time in quite some time a little bit of a decline from the fan base in Toronto because it might be tougher times ahead rather than successful times. So very interesting to see. Um, it's going to be a very important season for Toronto this coming year. Now, listen, if you want to check in with Brendan Dunlop and the amazing crew from the Footy Prime uh, podcast, as well as all of the amazing things going on at zone, uh, make sure you check them out. Brendan, where can they find your social media, which, by the way, most underrated TikTok game out there. I <laughs> I've absolutely fallen off love it, it, though, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. But I, ha- I have definitely fallen off it. I've been making a lot more videos uh, for Footy Prime, the podcast. That's at Footy Prime, the podcast on Instagram. So I'm making a lot lot more of those videos. Uh, but, yeah, I got to get back on the on the TikTok cycle, man. It's just it's hard. It moves. Uh, it moves very fast, you know, and uh, and I think that sometimes I'm, I'm a little slow on the trends or I don't get a lot of the trends. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed the. TikTok game early on in the pandemic, and I, I should get on it as uh, as we spend more and more time inside. I should, should get back on it. But um, on Twitter, uh, Footy Prime is Footy underscore Prime. Uh, we are the DAZN Soccer Show on DAZN, which has been a great run in it, what's been a great Premier League season. And I am Brendan underscore Dunlop on all platforms. So thank you for the shine, my man. Yeah, listen, make sure you check them out. Uh, Brendan Dunlop is going to try to do a backflip on skates. He didn't do it this year. But he was working with a with an amazing talent who can certainly do it. So, you know, that's what we're hoping for. Uh, that's a great story, man. You got time for that? I can tell you that. Story yeah, yeah. Quick. Let's hit it up. You were in Calgary at the time. I, remember, I was right? in Calgary. Now, we had that was the first time that we met or we did a show. Uh, I was in a hotel room in Calgary doing the show with you. And right. I don't think I had had this experience yet because you haven't heard the story, right? I had gone out to Lake Louise. And uh, Lake Louise is one of the most beautiful parts of, of the country. If you've not been, just go on Instagram and look it up. And there's a skating rink that's uh, in front of the Fairmont Hotel that's you know kind of manicured and, and uh, curated so that you can skate throughout the winter in one of the most picturesque parts of the country. So going up there, and I'm like, well, we've got to do something for the gram. And what a great shot. Um, oh, I want to copy Elash Baldi, who's the TikTok figure skating superstar. He had just voiced the opening for Hockey Night in Canada, I think, that week while I was in Calgary. So I go out there, and uh, I showed my wife, who is ne- never like my TikTok photographer or my my Instagram photographer. I, I never ask her to be that. So it was a, a brief tutorial of like, look, this is what I want to copy, and, and this is what I'm going to do. And she's not really a skater either, so I was quite limited in range of like, how it was going to be captured. I knew that it was a standing shot, 
And I was just going to have to, I'm panning back and forth for those of you just listening, not watching this with my hands. It was just going to be a standing shot I was going to skate through. So I showed her what I was trying to copy. And she said, okay, I think I got it. I think I got it. And she just looks and, you know, as in any public skating rink, it's always the figure skaters that take over the middle, right? Center. Of course. She's like, look at these figure skaters. And I look and sure enough, it's the Lash Baldy doing flips and taking the same type of, you know, or trying to capture the same beauty that I was by doing his incredible skates and trickery in one of the most beautiful parts of the country. So I couldn't believe that. So I tried to do it in the corner. And then eventually I skated over and said, Hey man, I, I'm trying to copy this move. And I just kind of hold the phone out and he looks, he's like, Oh, it realizes it was him. Well, that's me. That, that is you, man. I can't believe I bumped into you. So he, he was cool. We spoke for a few minutes, man. And uh, awesome to see, you know, that the TikTok fame that he's acquired. And as I said, you know, voice, voice hockey night in Canada and, and is uh, one of the most incredible creators uh, in Canada. So very cool for him. Yeah, definitely a darling of the TikTok game. He he was blown up everywhere. Uh, and that includes like, you know, ESPN, social media game. Like everyone was picking up his videos. They were incredible. When I saw you guys connect, I was like, whoa, uh, that's pretty cool. But seriously, Brennan Dunlop, let's get a backflipper or like a triple sow cow. Let's get some sort of fun in here, which, you know, maybe takes years and years of practice. I'm sure we'll get so. it out of And you. picks. That's what Alash yes. told me. It takes picks. He can't do yes. it on hockey skates. That's it. Now, Again, make sure you follow the Footy Prime Podcast. Check out Brennan Dunlop on social media. Uh, the Big O Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, so make sure you subscribe. Leave a nice five-star review. Uh, also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, with full-length episodes up on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can stay up-to-date with all future episodes from my guest, Brendan Dunlop. I'm your host, Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a good night, everyone.